Today's episode is sponsored in part by Kajabi, LinkedIn, Yahoo Finance, Indeed, and Shopify. Kajabi gives you control of your content, brand, and income. Get a 30-day free trial to start your course at kajabi.com profiting. Reach top-level decision makers by advertising on LinkedIn. Go to linkedin.com yap for $100 credit on your next campaign. Yahoo Finance is the number one financial destination. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com. Attract, interview, and hire all in one place with Indeed. Get a $75 sponsored job credit at indeed.com profiting. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you grow your business. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com profiting. As always, you can find all of our incredible deals in the show notes. We know now that modern medicine kills more people than morbid obesity and diabetes combined. The industry designed to prevent death is the third leading cause of death. If we translated that to any other industry, it would be laughable. If you sold home security systems and you were the third leading cause of home invasion, you'd probably be out of business. We are excellent at crisis management, but we are terrible at bio-optimization. More than 90% of your listeners are walking around at about 60% of their true state of normal. They have forgotten what normal feels like. And the difference between where they are now and where they could be is simply knowing what deficiencies are going on in your body and supplementing for those deficiencies rather than supplementing for the sake of supplementing. Once you unlock that deficiency, you're on your way to a state of optimization that you never thought possible. What is up, young and profiters? You're listening to Yap, Young and Profiting Podcast, where we interview the brightest minds in the world and unpack their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. I'm your host, Halataha. Thanks for tuning in and get ready to listen, learn, and profit. Young and profiters, are you ready to learn how to live longer and become a superhuman version of yourselves? Well, my guest today is going to tell us how. Gary Brecka is a biohacker, human biologist, and one of the world's foremost experts on how thinking differently about nutrition can protect us against aging and disease and make us the best version of ourselves. For years, Gary worked for insurance companies, helping them predict how long it was going to be before their clients were going to die. Now he helps people learn how long they can really live for. Gary, thanks for joining us for this super important conversation and welcome to Young and Profiting Podcast. So excited to be here. I am very excited for this conversation. I love talking about biohacking and you are so experienced. And when I was doing research for this podcast, I found out that you spent 20 years in the life insurance industry and you basically would predict when people would die to the nearest month. And first of all, I didn't even know a job like this existed. So it was so fascinating to me. How did you end up in the life insurance industry to start with? You know, what's amazing is how much of this science is actually done on an annual basis. I mean, there's 
more than $30 billion of these types of policies issued every single year. And remember, in the life insurance industry, when a life insurance company is getting ready to put $5 million or $10 million or $25 million worth of risk on your life, there's only one variable that matters, right? I mean, and it's how many more months do you have left on earth? And so some of the most accurate science in the world is actually held by life insurance companies. I always used to say that if that database that I had access to could see the light of day, and unfortunately it never will, but if it could, it would permanently change the face of humanity. I mean, it would upend modern medicine in a way that would be catastrophic. And I made my way there because, you know, in my undergraduate uh, degrees were in biology. My postgraduate degrees were um, human biology. So I'm a human biologist by trade. I had another concentration in neuroscience. And when I graduated, I went into this industry, I thought temporarily to work as a mortality expert because I was just fascinated by the data. And if they got five years of medical records on you and five years of demographic data, you know, we could tell the insurance company how long you had to live to the month. And after doing this for more than two decades, I really began to realize that these were not just spreadsheets, right? This was not just data. There were human beings on the other side of these spreadsheets. And, you know, I, I was prohibited by law from contacting the patients. So even if I saw life-threatening drug interactions, I could not contact the patient to warn them. And it became glaringly apparent to me that the reason why people were not living longer, healthier, happier lives was not pathology, was not disease, was not some catastrophic illness that they had. It was for things that we called modifiable risk factors, right? I mean, if I had been able to just pick up the phone and talk to that patient, I could have added on average seven years to their health span, not just their lifespan, but how many healthy years they had left on earth. And one day I had a massive epiphany and, and over a case that I was working on that they prohibited me from contacting the patient. And I just decided that I wasn't going to spend one more day of my life predicting death. I was going to spend the balance of my lifetime trying to help people live healthier, happier, longer lives. I always say if I was to boil that entire career down to a single sentence, it would be that the presence of oxygen is the absence of disease. Nothing is more truthful than that statement. We did not find a single disease etiological pathway, not one, that did not have its roots in what we call hypoxia, lack of blood oxygen or was not exacerbated by a lack of blood oxygen. And this includes every form of cancer, autoimmune disease, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, early onset dementia, type two diabetes, weight gain, water retention, hormone imbalance, you know, all of these things because the body is in a hypoxic state. In fact, all human beings leave this planet the same way. We all die of the same thing. The definition of death is lack of oxygen to the brain, hypoxia. Only we tend to think of it as an event, right? A gunshot wound, a car, a bus, a stroke, a heart attack. But the truth is, this is a predictable curve. You are either managing oxygen well or you are managing oxygen poorly. The more poorly you manage oxygen, the faster you are accelerating towards the grave. The better you manage oxygen, the less quickly you are accelerating towards the grave and all forms of pathology disease. Well, this is going to be a juicy, juicy interview because I have so much to dig into. There's some interviews where like, I'm always excited to interview guests, but there's some topics where I'm like, man, this is so interesting and nobody talks about it. And this is one of those interviews where I'm like, this is just so interesting. But before we dig into a lot of the things that you just said, because you just rattled off a lot of information that I have a lot of follow-up questions for. 
But let's take it back to your childhood for a minute. What was your first childhood memory of getting interested in human biology? So I grew up on a 300-acre tobacco farm in Southern Maryland, Upper Marlboro, Maryland, the Marlboro Man. Never smoked tobacco, never chewed tobacco. My parents owned the land and they leased it to, to a farmer to grow agriculturally. And I was an only child. And you couldn't even see another house from my parents' home. So I spent actually a lot of my time alone in the woods. You know, I would, you know, go into the woods during the day. I would ride my bike eight miles to my best friend's house. There was a lot of animals on the adjoining farm next to me. I got really fascinated by nature and animals, you know. And um, I was always fascinated when cattle or horses or livestock got sick as a little young child. And they would call this veterinarian out and the veterinarian would show up and do some magic stuff. And then all of a sudden this animal would heal. And I just thought that that was really, really cool. And when I got into school, I found out in the eighth grade, I was tested as clinically photographic. For a while, they thought I was borderline savant or maybe maybe on the autism spectrum because I had such a hyper-concentrated photographic memory, which I later, you know, I've learned to use as a superpower. And so I naturally gravitated toward science because science is a lot of rote memorization. So chemistry, anatomy, science came very, very easy to me. You know, I've learned to manage being clinically photographic. Now I don't, I can't read for pleasure, for example. So I don't read menus in restaurants. Um, try not to look at street signs, uh, things like that, because I record all the information that I, that I see. But in terms of building a basis for a future in science, it was you know, I was sort of especially well-crafted for kind of a voluminous amount of storage of detailed information. And so my grade school years and my high school years were all full of science experiments. I was a super, super science geek. And then when I went to college, I chose biology as a, as a major, chemistry as a minor. And then I took, uh, you know, went on for four more years of just uh, human biology. You talk about Everybody can unlock their superhuman. And it's clear with this photographic memory, you literally are superhuman. And I thought it was very interesting to find out that there's disadvantages to you having this photographic memory. Like you were just saying, you don't read menus or read anything for pleasure because essentially you can memorize anything, like anything that you see, you can just memorize. Yeah. So, like, I don't take the seat back magazine out of the pocket in front of me on a flight because. Three months later, I'll tell you where the, you know, sales center is for a condo project in Sao Paulo. You know, <laughs> so you can store senseless information as well. But I've learned to cultivate that. You know, I'm I'm I am obsessed with the human body and its form and its function. And when I was in the insurance industry, I had access to this database of 370 million lives. And remember that insurance companies have data that no other enterprise has. No other medical enterprise, not even the federal government, the CDC, the National Institute of Health, because an insurance company knows the day, the date, the time, the location, and the cause of death for 370 million lives. We know exactly the disease etiological progression of things like statins, all forms of pharmaceuticals, narcotics, corticosteroids, common antidepressants, antibiotics. We know exactly what happens and what the impact is on mortality when people are, you know, subjected to these kind of chemicals or synthetics or pharmaceuticals. And if you really want to look at health trends, you know, follow the uh, life insurance industry because they have data on what terminates people's lives and they have voluminous amounts of that data. Remember, they, they bet 
tens of millions of dollars on a single risk factor. And so, you know, that was naturally fascinating to me until I really had this sort of moral epiphany about wasting my life predicting death instead of spending my life impacting life. Do you ever think that this data would become available publicly or that there could be some sort of regulation to make that data available publicly so that we could save more lives? Do you think that would ever happen? Unfortunately, no. I mean, the you know, insurance lobby is the second most powerful lobby to Congress, um, you know, first being big pharma. And then right behind them, you have big oil. So it's very unlikely that something that they're able to use to profiteer from in these financial services products, because remember, there are a lot of financial services products that are based on when you're going to die. Annuities, reverse mortgages, uh, life insurance. These are all products that are based on human mortality. And so that database is highly, highly, highly guarded by that industry. You know, we knew, for example, in the 90s that opioids had an addictive amyloid long before you heard about the pain medication crisis. And um, we thought that they were just pain amyloids, but we realized that there was mixed in there. There was an amyloid that not only could cause a cardiac event, but also created an addictive quality, which from a pharmaceutical standpoint is a home run, right? Because if I can, I can create something that's addictive and toxic, then I can actually get patent protection and I can become a prescriptive pharmaceutical. As soon as something's toxic and addictive, it's prescribed and patented. And if it's prescribed and patented, then it's covered by health insurance. If it's covered by health insurance and it's patented, you have a monopoly. And so a lot of these compounds that we put into our bodies that are seeking to reduce inflammation or to elevate serotonin or reduce the use of serotonin or elevate thyroid function are actually also designed to create dependency reliance and what we call tachyphylaxis, a, a desensitization response. And that's all built in so that they can create the longevity and the patent protection, the prescription protection of it. But the truth is, you know, I think the second big thing that I learned in, in studying mortality for 22 years is that the majority of the reason why people are affected by aging, for example, and we chalk all these things up to a consequence of aging, weight gain, water retention, brain fog, poor sleep, poor focus and concentration, lack of waking energy. These things that we accept as a consequence of aging, they are not a consequence of aging at all. They are a consequence of missing raw material in the human body. When you deprive the human body of, of certain raw materials, certain nutrients, minerals, vitamins, amino acids, you get the expression of that disease. And then we label this as a disease and we treat it chronically as a disease. When the truth is, you know, there are a lot of myths about how disease travels in families. So for example, we say that people have genetically inherited hypertension. They have genetically inherited hypothyroid, genetically inherited depression, anxiety, alcohol addiction, you know, all of these things that run in families. But what's fascinating about quote unquote genetically inherited disease is that we've mapped the entire human biome. We know every single gene in the human body. And no physician can tell you what gene causes any of those diseases. The reason why they can't tell you what gene causes those diseases, like hypertension, hypothyroid, hypercholesterolemia, hypertriglyceridemia, all of these genetically inherited diseases, is because that gene does not exist. And if that gene does not exist, then it means that those diseases do not exist. 
We did not pass disease from generation to generation. What we pass from generation to generation is the inability for the body to refine a raw material. This causes a deficiency, which leads to that disease. So for example, if I was able to magically go into your body and deplete vitamin D3, okay, the single most important nutrient in the human body, if I could go in and magically deplete vitamin D3, you would eventually develop rheumatoid arthritis-like symptoms. Now, you don't have rheumatoid arthritis, but you would develop those parallel symptoms amongst other things, hormone imbalance, you know, brittle bones. But if you went to the wrong physician and you started talking about your medical history and said, listen, doc, I get out of the bed in the morning, my, my feet and ankles are sore when they touch the ground in the morning. I wake up sore and achy like I had a workout the night before. Lately, you know, it's my neck is really stiff and so is my low back and it's kind of hard to make a fist. The wrong physician is going to go, you know what? And that's exactly what rheumatoid arthritis does. You have rheumatoid arthritis. I'm going to put you on a corticosteroid, an anti-inflammatory, you know, to help you manage these symptoms. And then you start on corticosteroids. But what you don't tell the patient is that once you start a corticosteroid, you have six years and one day until you're having a joint replacement. And then as soon as you have a joint replacement, your mobility begins to reduce. So for example, if you were a 55-year-old female, 60-year-old female, and you applied for a life insurance policy, and I saw that you had been misdiagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, even though I knew you only had a vitamin D3 deficiency, and I saw that you were put on corticosteroids, I would artificially advance your age six years in one day. I would schedule the joint replacement for you. And after the joint replacement surgery, I would reduce what's called your ambulatory profile, how well you ambulate, how well you move. And as I reduce your mobility, I can bring in all of the diseases that exacerbate with reduced mobility. We know now, for example, that sitting is the new smoking. Sedentary lifestyle is the leading cause of all-cause mortality. And so now that I advance those diseases that you never would have had, now you end up succumbing to a disease you never would have had because you were diagnosed with a condition that you didn't have, put on a medication that was not required, which caused a surgery that was unnecessary and led for you, you're passing seven years earlier than you should have passed. And I can give you hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of examples like this. And the truth is there's such a paucity of understanding of basic human physiology and the majority of the medical community that we have stopped. You know, we just don't have faith in human beings and mankind and humanity and the ability of this to heal this and how powerful frequency and how powerful um, basic exercise and sunlight and grounding and hydration and simple things back to the basics, how much this could entirely change the trajectory of somebody's life. There are listeners right now listening to your podcast, and I bet more than 90% of your listeners right now are walking around at about 60% of their true state of normal. They have forgotten what normal feels like. They have accepted this baseline sense of normalcy. They might think they feel great, they have no idea how good normal can feel. And the difference between where they are now and where they could be is simply knowing what deficiencies are going on in your body and supplementing for those deficiencies rather than supplementing for the sake of supplementing. This is so crazy. Hearing this information to me is almost shocking. It's overwhelming because you think about everything's working against us. It's like, your health insurance is working against you. The pharmaceutical companies are working against you. The life insurance companies are working against you. The doctors, I think, have good intentions, but they don't know enough. They believe medicine is good because they have to, because otherwise it makes 
what they do evil. Don't get me wrong. If I if I hit a windshield at 25 miles an hour, I, I mean, I want a surgeon. I, I want painkillers. I'm going to the ER. But when you realize, you know, there was a 2016 Harvard University study. It was repeated again by Johns Hopkins in 2019. We know now that modern medicine, medical error, is the third leading cause of death. So modern medicine kills more people than morbid obesity and diabetes combined. And when you start to think that only cardiovascular disease and cancer kill more people than modern medicine, it's astounding. But when you really process the fact that the industry designed to prevent death is the third leading cause of death, that is just mind-blowing. If we translated that to any other industry, it would be laughable. Right. I mean, if you sold home security systems and you were the third leading cause of home invasion, you'd probably be out of business. Right. (laughs) Or if you were a roofer and you were the third leading cause of roof collapse, probably wouldn't sell a lot of roofs. But we accept this in modern medicine, but we are excellent at crisis management, but we are terrible at bio optimization. And there are 32,000 named diseases, you know, in in the PDR, in the physician staff reference, 32,000. Nearly every single one of these can be traced back to nutrient deficiencies in the human body. You know, sometimes when I speak on stage, I will make a bold statement and say, I will take any disease, any ailment that you or a loved one is suffering from, ADD, ADHD, OCD, manic depression, drug and alcohol addiction, poor sleep, and I will tell you exactly what raw material is missing from that person's body so that you can replace it and have that condition eviscerate. Let's hold that thought and take a quick break with our sponsors. Young and profiters, they may call me the podcast princess, but I'm also the LinkedIn queen. I've been a LinkedIn influencer for six years now, and I teach one of the most popular courses about LinkedIn. And I love to teach sales on LinkedIn because when it comes to B2B sales, LinkedIn has got that on lock. LinkedIn is where all the decision makers are hanging out. There are 180 million senior-level decision-makers on LinkedIn and 10 million C-suite decision-makers. These people are on LinkedIn and they're in the mode to buy. They're using LinkedIn for their buying journey to research vendors or sales reps that they might work with, to look up how to solve their problems, to learn from industry thought leaders. They are in the mode to buy, whereas on other platforms, they're in the mode to be entertained. You want to get them in the right mindset. You want to cut through the noise with LinkedIn ads. In fact, 79% of B2B marketers rate LinkedIn as their top channel for paid media. And LinkedIn has the best targeting because they've got all these different inputs. People are putting their resume basically up on there. And so there's so many keywords that they can use to target the right decision makers so they can hear about how you solve their problems. And I've got a special gift for all you young and profiters who want to try LinkedIn ads. You can get a $100 credit. LinkedIn was super generous. If you want to make B2B marketing everything it can be and get a $100 credit on your next campaign, go to linkedin.com slash yap, Y-A-P. Again, if you want to claim your credit, go to linkedin.com slash yap. Terms and conditions apply. Young and profiters, as you may know, I launched my LinkedIn Secrets Masterclass a little bit over a year ago. It was my first course. And so far, I've generated well over $500,000. And the best part is, I didn't have to figure out how to set up my mastermind subscriptions, how to do abandoned cart targeting, and all of that tech geeky stuff. I just left that all to Shopify. (coughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. 
And if you're in that I need to sell more with less stage, Shopify magic is your AI superpowered sidekick ready to whip up captivating content that converts. And it doesn't matter if you're selling digital products or vegan cosmetics. Shopify helps you sell anything, anywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Stop those online window shoppers in their tracks and turn them into loyal customers with the internet's best converting checkout. I'm talking 36% better on average compared to the other options out there. It's no wonder Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the US, including huge global brands like Allbirds and Thrive Cosmetics. It took me a day to set up my Shopify store. I set up chat, took two minutes, and I was done. One month from thinking of the idea to implementation, a year later, I've made half a million dollars on the idea. That's what it takes in 2024, just a good idea. And then utilizing a platform like Shopify that can help you make it a reality. There is no excuse these days. If you've got a good business idea and you think you'll be a good entrepreneur, you don't have to wait any longer. You don't have to be super techie. And you never have to worry about figuring it out on your own. Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash profiting. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash profiting now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash profiting. It's so incredible. And so you always use this analogy. Our bodies are beautiful machines. We need the right raw materials. You mentioned that D3 is a big one. What are some other raw materials that are commonly missing from people that cause disease? So we have to think about the body, the human body this way. Remember that there's not a single compound. This is the most important concept. If anybody takes anything away from this podcast, this is the takeaway. The most important concept to understanding really good human optimization is understanding that there's not a single compound known to mankind, not one. There's no vitamin, there's no mineral, there's no amino acid, there's no protein, carbohydrate, no nutrient of any kind that enters the human body and is used in the format that we put it in. Without exception, everything that we put into our bodies gets converted by the body into the usable form. This process is called methylation. So it's like we pull crude oil out of the ground, right? But you cannot put crude oil into your gas tank because the car doesn't understand that fuel source. Once crude oil is refined into gasoline, now the car can run because it understands that fuel source. Human beings are no different. So we put all kinds of compounds into our body. Let's take the, the number one nutrient in the human diet, folic acid, for example. So folic acid, for the record, is an entirely man-made chemical, right? It is a synthetic chemical. We make it in a laboratory. It does not occur anywhere naturally on the surface of the earth. You cannot find folic acid anywhere in nature, but we've been thought to believe that folic acid is a necessary nutrient. It's the most prevalent nutrient in the human diet, by the way. It's in all white flour, all white rice, all white bread, all white pasta. It's in all grains of any kind. And we don't call these foods sprayed with folic acid. We call them fortified or enriched. Let's take just folic acid for a moment. Well, we know that when folic acid enters the body, it's useless until the body converts it into something called methylfolate. Now the body can use it. Well, what if like 44% of the population, you have a gene mutation called MTHFR? I don't want to cuss on your podcast, but it's affectionately called the motherfucker gene. (laughs) (laughs) 
It actually stands for methylene tetrahydrofolate reductase, but everybody calls it the motherfucker gene because it's MTHFR. And 44% of the population, including 44% of your listeners, have this gene mutation. Well, if you have this gene mutation, you cannot convert the most prevalent nutrient in the human diet into the form your body can use. So what does this mean? This means that the level of folic acid skyrockets and the level of necessary methylfolate declines. Now you have a deficiency. What are some of the expressions of that deficiency? Well, depending on how severe this gene mutation is, nearly everyone that has this gene mutation reports some form of anxiety. So if you either suffer from anxiety or you know somebody that's suffering from anxiety, if you ask them these three questions, you can prove very quickly that it is not coming from a cluster of symptoms in their outside environment. It is coming from their physiology. And the first question is, you know, have you had this on and off throughout your lifetime? Most people will say yes. The second question is, can you point to the specific trigger that causes it? Most people that suffer from chronic anxiety will tell you, no, I cannot point to the specific trigger that causes it. I can be driving home from work on an otherwise innocuous day. I can be overwhelmed with anxiety. I can be at dinner with my friends and start having just these feelings of anxiety. There's your second clue that it's coming from your physiology and not your outside environment. And the third question is, if you've tried anti-anxiety medications, did they work? And they'll say, no, they made me feel like a zombie. So now, how could this deficiency in methylfolate cause this anxiety condition? Um, it is, by the way, it's the same with depression. It is the same with ADD and ADHD, which are not attention deficits at all. They're attention overload disorders. They're not attention deficit disorders. And so when you break down the physiology of what is anxiety? Well, it's an excess rise of something called catecholamines. These are fight or flight neurotransmitters. And we think that we need to have the presence of a fear in order to feel fear. That's absolutely not true, right? If you drove home tonight and you got out of your car and somebody was standing in front of you with a knife, that's an obvious, very real fear. You would have a fight or flight response. Your pupils would dilate, your heart rate would increase, your extremities would flood with blood. But I'm here in my log cabin, and as you, if you can't tell, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm in Pitkin, Colorado. I'm at 10,500 feet. I could be laying in that bunk bed right there. And I could start thinking about getting eaten by a shark. Now, the chances of a shark making it 10,500 feet up into the mountains and biting me in that bed are zero, but I could have the exact same response. So how is it that I can have fight or flight response to the presence of a fear and a fight or flight response without the presence of a fear? In fact, without even the chance that that fear would come true. This is because of a rise in something called catecholamines. Deficiency in methylfolate does not allow us to metabolize these fight or flight neurotransmitters. And so they rise and fall seemingly without trigger. And they can go all the way to the point where they trigger a panic attack. If you actually look up this gene mutation, MTHFR, and anxiety, you will read hordes of peer reviewed published clinical literature that link this simple folate, methylfolate deficiency to these conditions. And it is the same link to attention deficit disorder. We've sort of labeled ADD as an attention deficit or attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. It's not a deficit of attention at all. It's an attention overload disorder. It's too many windows open at the same time. And why does that happen? Because in, our, in the human brain, we don't just create thought. We also dismantle thought. And if you don't break thought down at the rate that you create thought, the mind gets very clouded. 
Now you are paying attention to too many things. It's not that you can't pay attention. It's that you can't pay attention to so many things. I mean, a lot of peace can come to these people by using the right balance of B vitamins, the right balance of specific forms of B12, and using methylfolate. That's why I think everybody once in their lifetime should do a gene test and look for five actionable genes. It's only a test you do once. You'll never repeat it. Once you know exactly what your body can convert and what it can't, now you supplement for that deficiency and just watch the magic happen. This is pretty interesting. So you're saying in order to understand what raw materials you need or what you need to change with your body, you've got to do some sort of genetic testing and not because you want to figure out what diseases you've inherited. You actually want to figure out what genes... What deficiencies you have. So you what deficiencies stop, you yeah, have. So okay. you stop supplementing for the sake of supplementing and you can start supplementing for deficiency. You know, the question we should ask when we're about to supplement is not, What's the quality of the supplement? Where was it manufactured? What's the reputation of the manufacturer or the person that's pushing this? The first question we should say is, does my body need it? Right. And then go down the road of the quality of the supplement. Because there are a lot of phenomenal supplements on the market. Pure Encapsulations, Thorn, Symbiotica. I mean, these are amazing supplement companies. And the products that they manufacture, including my own at 10X Health, are products lots of people need. But not everyone needs the same thing. And so once you unlock that deficiency in your body, you're on your way to a state of optimization that you never thought possible. I mean, clients of mine tell me all the time, they're like, oh my God, Gary, I feel amazing. And I just remind them, you actually don't feel amazing. Not to burst your bubble. <laughs> That's what normal is supposed to feel like. You just forgot how normal is supposed to feel. It's so fascinating. So I want to talk about oxygen. Because I know that oxygen is a really important topic. Like you mentioned earlier, the definition of death is hypoxia, which is a lack of oxygen to the brain. You also mentioned that if you could boil your entire career down into one sentence, it would be that the presence of oxygen is the absence of disease. So talk to us about why oxygen is so important. Obviously, we all know about breathing, right? We can't go very long without breathing, but it's more important than that. You know, we know that aging, aside from being the aggressive pursuit of comfort, is a mitochondrial disease. So inside of every cell in your body, you have thousands of these little motors called mitochondria. Human beings are not powered by the air we breathe, the water we drink, or the supplements we take, or the food we eat. We're powered by one energy source. It's called ATP. And this adenosine triphosphate is made in a battery inside the cell called the mitochondria. And inside the mitochondria, there is a motor, right? It is spinning around and it's creating this energy. Well, every time this motor makes one revolution, it has two choices. It can either create two units of energy, two ATP, or it can create 36 units of energy. Same term. It's either 16 times more powerful or 16 times less powerful. It's a hard, really hard concept to grasp. I mean, it's like walking onto a car lot and they, you know, the salesman says, hey, there's two choices here. It's the same car. It comes in a 1600 horsepower version or a 100 horsepower version. 100 horsepower is like a lawnmower and 1600 horsepower is like a professional NASCAR. And so this is what's going on inside the cell of our body. 10% of your body weight, by the way, is mitochondria. You have 110 trillion of these in your body. Anything that downregulates the mitochondria or harms the function of the mitochondria 
accelerates aging and makes fertile ground for all forms of pathology and disease. So now we're kind of inside the cell, inside the mitochondria, talking about this little motor called the Krebs cycle. We're going to talk about aging and performance. We have to talk about mitochondrial function, right? We know that the dysregulation of mitochondria is linked to every form of disease and pathology in the human body, including Alzheimer's and dementia. You know, there's so many myths about these diseases. For example, we know that Alzheimer's now is not Alzheimer's disease at all. It's type 3 diabetes. The big lie, the big myth about Alzheimer's is that patients are losing their memory. That's actually not true. They're losing access to their memory. And the access to this memory is disabled in large part because of downregulation in the mitochondria. So we know that this mitochondria can produce 16 times more energy or 16 times less energy. So what determines whether or not it's 1,600 horsepower or 100 horsepower? The presence of oxygen. If oxygen enters that cycle, it creates 16 times more energy. If oxygen doesn't enter that cycle, it creates 16 times less energy. And so here is where the importance of oxygen comes into play. And when you start talking about, well, how can I better manage oxygen? Well, I'll give you some free ways to do it right now. And all this is doing is getting back to the basics, right? So if you've ever heard of earthing or grounding, which is where you take bare feet and touch bare soil. And think about that. If you're listening to this podcast, think about the last time that you had bare feet touching bare soil. I mean, like dirt, grass, sand. Okay, that was the last time that you actually discharged into the earth. Human beings, we build up a charge in our body. You know, we all know about the acid alkaline scale. Well, pH stands for potential hydrogen. It is a charge. If you want to change the pH of the body, you don't drink alkaline water. That was the biggest marketing myth ever sold to the public. You cannot make the body alkaline by drinking alkaline water. If you want to make the body alkaline, you change the charge. How do you change the charge? You run a low Gauss current through the body. There's two ways to do this. There's a way that you can pay for it, and there's a way that it's free. If you want to pay for it, you buy a PEMF mat, pulse electromagnetic field, Mm -hmm. right? And you lay on that mat 16 to 30 minutes a day. You just put it in your bed. And every morning that you wake up, you will wake up alkaline. It will alkalize all 32 trillion cells in your body. If you don't want to spend five grand on a PEMF mat, then take your shoes off six minutes a day and come in contact with the surface of the earth, right? Mm. Magnetism in the earth will change the polarity in your body. It will change the polarity of the surface of every cell in the body. And what will happen is instead of cells sticking together because they have opposite charges, they will repel because they have the same charge. Why is that important? Because if I can increase the surface area of the cell, Now the cell can exchange with its environment, eliminate waste, repair, detoxify, regenerate. And this also increases the surface area to absorb oxygen from the bloodstream. So magnetism is one way to improve the oxidative state of the body. The second is oxygen itself. This is why sedentary lifestyle is the leading cause of all-cause mortality because we are getting less oxygen and therefore less circulation. The majority of these pathologies and diseases too have a circulation component. So I tell people that to learn to do an eight-minute breathwork technique, I borrowed it from Wim Hof. I'm not the purveyor of this technique. You know, he's the father of modern breathwork. If you go to my Instagram, I do tutorials on Instagram all the time about breathwork. But you can wake up in the morning, you can do eight minutes of breathwork, three rounds of 30 breaths with a breath hold in between. And 
This does two things. Number one, the number one vasodilator in the human body is not nitric oxide. Nitric oxide, by the way, is toxic. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're taking a nitric oxide supplement because you're an exercise enthusiast or you're a bodybuilder or you want to be more vascular, please stop. That is toxic to the mitochondria. It actually competes for oxygen in the mitochondria, something called cytochrome C oxidase. It pulls oxygen out and forces itself to dock. The major vasodilator in the human body is carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide causes our veins to dilate. So by doing breath work and flooding the blood with oxygen and then holding our breath for a prolonged period of time and dilating our blood vessels, we actually, when we breathe in again, we get more oxygen to the tissues. We can actually change the oxygen tension in our tissues. Now, I use something called a hypermax oxygen system, a multi-step oxygen system. Again, it's about five grand, but it's an oxygen mask. You put it on, you breathe 93 to 95% O2 for 10 minutes while you're mildly exercising, but you do not have to spend money on that system. You can learn to do breath work. And then the third thing is to expose your skin to natural sunlight. And the truth is most of us are not getting enough sun. It's not that we're getting too much sun. And the safest time to expose your skin to sunlight is the first 45 minutes of the day well, during first light because there's a very special type of light during that 45 minutes. It's, there's no UVA, there's no UVB rays, so nothing that can damage your skin, nothing that can burn your skin. And, you know, I sit out on, on my porch with my shirt off um, in a pair of shorts, even when it's cold outside, and um, I do three rounds of 30 breaths. I expose my skin to sunlight. Sunlight, certain wavelengths of sunlight, when they pass through the skin, they will go into the mitochondria. They will go into the motor of the Krebs cycle, they will kick out nitric oxide and force oxygen to dock just by exposing yourself to sunlight. Now, I also have a red light therapy bed, and red light therapy, as you may or may not know, is the rage in sports recovery and anti-aging and healthy skin now. But if, if you don't want to go out and spend money on a red light therapy bed, you can expose your skin to sunlight. So those are three things your listeners could do for free starting tomorrow. Grounding, sunlight, breathwork, to absolutely change the trajectory of their life. The reason why most people will not do it is because it's too easy. It's because they're like, it can't be that simple, but it is. And, you know, I really try to impress upon people how these tiny little habits could completely change the trajectory of their life. This has been such valuable information. And so I interviewed Wim Hof on this podcast. He's oh, awesome. incredible. I'm Wim Hof certified. Yeah. I'm going to the period films with him this year. Oh, really? Yeah. He's awesome. Yeah. I loved him. Uh, he was an inspiration. So let's talk about hormone balance because hormone balance is a topic that I think is starting to bubble up more in society and culture. I'm seeing a lot more like Instagram reels about hormone balance, especially for women. Why is hormone balance something that we need to understand more? And what are some key tips that you have to improve our hormone balance? So let's talk about basic human physiology for a moment and where hormones fit into physiology, right? So I would say the greatest single reason why people walk through the door of one of my clinics at 10X Health is because the biggest complaint is, I just don't have the same energy I used to have. I just lack energy. You know, my waking energy, I feel like my short-term recall is not what it used to be. And I just basically lack energy. So when you say you lack energy, if we convert that to physiology, basically what you're saying is I'm not low on energy, I'm low on oxygen. Because everything that you perceive about energy is nothing more than oxygen in your blood. 
So I want you to imagine a tree for a moment. Now let's start in the leaves, and I'm going to walk you all the way down into the roots below the soil. So up in the leaves, you're saying, I lack energy. So when you say you lack energy to me, I know that you're low on oxygen. What transports oxygen around the blood? A red blood cell and the fluid inside the red blood cell called hemoglobin. So that means I, I want to raise the number of red blood cells, and I want to raise the amount of hemoglobin they have. So let's move down the tree. Where do I go to get more red blood cells and more hemoglobin? Well, I go to the factory that makes red blood cells and hemoglobin, and that's the bone marrow. So now I get to the factory, and I want to increase its production. How do I increase its production? Well, the boss of the bone marrow is the hormone testosterone. In men and women, the primary role of testosterone is not male characteristics. It's not deep voice, aggression, facial hair, muscles. It's none of those things. In men and women, the primary role of testosterone is to put pressure on the bone marrow to increase red blood cells. It's called erythropoiesis. So if I'm deficient in testosterone, I'm very likely deficient in red blood cells and hemoglobin. So how do I raise testosterone? I don't just start taking testosterone. I go further down the tree and I find out what is testosterone made from? It's made from something called DHEA. And you can get your DHEA tested. If you are clinically deficient in DHEA, you will be deficient in testosterone. If you are deficient in testosterone, your bone marrow will produce less red blood cells and hemoglobin. If you produce less red blood cells and hemoglobin, you will be low on oxygen. If you are low on oxygen, you'll be low on energy. So that now let's just go right through the soil into the root. What is DHEA mud from? Vitamin D3. So the first thing we want to do before we start talking about taking hormones is we want to make sure that our D3 is in the optimal range and our DHEA is in the optimal range. Because 70% of the clients that we see that are deficient in hormones do not need hormones. They need the raw material for the body to make hormones. So D3 and DHEA will raise testosterone, raise the pressure on the bone marrow, improve red blood cell and hemoglobin levels, and improve your oxidative state. We'll be right back after a quick break from our sponsors. Young and profiters, Yap Media is growing so fast. I have 10 open roles just this month. In the past, it would take me so long to find hires. I have to go on all these different job sites. I have to create my own skills assessments. That's why I let Indeed do a lot of this heavy lifting for me. Indeed is the powerful hiring platform where I can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Indeed has things like skills assessments, where when we have specific roles, we can find an assessment that matches that role and we can make sure they have the skills that we need. Then I can focus on culture fit. I can make sure they're scrappy enough and are obsessed with excellence and do all the things that we need to do for them to fit in at YAP. And Indeed streamlines hiring with powerful tools like Instant Match. An Instant Match basically matches you with candidates as soon as you put up a job post with people who are qualified right away. It's instant. And the best part is it gets better as you use it. So now when I use Indeed, especially when I'm hiring for similar roles, I get people right away where they know that I'm going to like the candidates because they can see what my preferences were in the past. It gets better as you use it. According to US Indeed data, the moment Indeed sponsors a job, over 80% of employers get candidates whose resumes are a perfect match for the position. It's like waving a magic wand that gets better as you use it. So I love using Indeed. We've found a lot of our A players on there. 
Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide who count on Indeed to hire their next superstar like we do at Yap Media. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash profiting. Offer is good for a limited time. Claim your $75 sponsored job credit at indeed.com slash profiting. Again, that's indeed.com slash profiting and support the show by saying you heard about it on Young and Profiting Podcast. Again, it's indeed.com slash profiting to get your $75 credit. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Young and profiters, we are all making money. But is your money hustling for you? Meaning, are you investing? Putting your savings in the bank is just doing you a total disservice. You got to beat inflation. I've been investing heavily for years. I've got an E-Trade account. I've got a Robinhood account. And it used to be such a pain to manage all of my accounts. I'd hop from platform to platform. I'd always forget my Fidelity password. And then I have to reset my password. I knew that needed to change because I need to keep track of all my stuff. Everything got better once I started using Yahoo Finance, the sponsor of today's episode. You can securely link up all of your investment accounts in Yahoo Finance for one unified view of your wealth. They've got stock analyst ratings. They have independent research. I can customize charts and choose what metrics I want to display for all my stocks so I can make the best decisions. I can even dig into financial statements and balance sheets of the companies that I'm curious about. Whether you're a seasoned investor or looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Young and profiters, are you dreaming about starting a course? Do you want to go from one to one to one to many and scale yourself? If you're thinking about starting a course, then you need to hear about Kajabi. Kajabi is the OG of course platforms. I've got creators in my network like Jenna Kutcher and Amy Porterfield who have been using Kajabi for over a decade. These ladies know what they're doing. They are literally the course queens. And so I took a page from their playbook and I started using Kajabi. I've been playing around with it because I'm launching a podcast course next month and I need a lot of features that only a course platform would have like Kajabi. And they've thought of it all. No matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and so much more. One of the smartest things that I did when I launched my course is I focused on the content. I lasered in on that. I made sure people were getting the best investment they could, that I wouldn't get any refunds, that people would tell their friends, and my course would be successful by word of mouth. And I did that by focusing on my content, what I was good at, and not all the tech. Leave the tech stuff for your course to Kajabi. They are experts in that area and they've thought of everything that you would ever need for your course. So if you want to start your course, now is your chance. As you guys may know, I always ask my sponsors for a free trial for any software that we talk about on the show. And Kajabi was super generous. They gave us a free 30-day trial that you can get at kajabi.com profiting. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com slash profiting. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash profiting. Go to kajabi.com slash profiting and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. 
So let's switch gears and talk about sugar for a minute. Is sugar our kryptonite? Root of all evil. Yeah, it's our kryptonite when, come, when becoming superhuman. So the truth about sugar is that, you know, first of all, we have to understand that the brain, as sophisticated as we'd like to think it is, it's actually not. Um, the brain is very primal. And you know what the brain cares about? The brain cares about survival, right? If the brain wants calcium, it will leach it from the bones. If it needs amino acids, it'll strip it from lean muscle. And if it wants sugar, it will activate a receptor on the back of the tongue called the RF1A2 receptor. This is a very special receptor because things have to be swallowed to trigger this receptor. And when it passes by this receptor, this receptor doesn't register sweet. It releases dopamine. And this is why most people are not, don't just like sugar, they are addicted to sugar. In fact, the entire synthetic sugar industry, aspartame, sucralose, all of these synthetic sugars or sugar substitutes, the majority of their chemical component is not designed to taste sweet. It is designed to ding the dopamine receptor. It is designed to cause your brain to release dopamine, which gives you a pleasure response, which is why people are addicted to sodas, artificial sweeteners and sodas, which is why people are addicted to all kinds of sugar because they don't just like the taste of sugar, they are addicted to the dopamine. And in the mortality space, we used to say the absence of dopamine is the presence of addiction. The reason why most addiction has a tendency to shift, if you've ever been an addict or ever known a true addict, drug addicts become alcoholics, alcoholics become workoutaholics, workoutaholics become workaholics. Why does addiction have a tendency to shift? Because we never address the dopamine deficiency. If I was able to magically go into your body right now and deplete dopamine, you would begin to engage in dopamine-seeking behaviors, right? Dopamine is the primary driver of behavior. Serotonin is the primary driver of mood. So when we talk about sugars, we really have to talk about this dopamine cycle. Um, and that's why sugar addiction is right up there with drug and alcohol addiction. We have increased the intake of sugar 400-fold in this country since 1964. The worst thing that ever happened to humanity was the war on fat in the 90s and where they started to replace everything with high sugars. We know now, for example, that Alzheimer's is type 3 diabetes. It's insulin resistance in the brain. So sugar is really the root of all evil. So when it comes to sugar, then, are you suggesting that we should like completely remove sugar? Is it something that we don't need as a raw material? No, I'm just saying that we should eat, when we eat whole foods and we eat less processed sugar, and this is where we get into trouble, right? Processed foods and high glycemic sugars, especially your white sugars, and these are really dangerous for you. And the majority of my sugar intake comes from three sources, natural honeys, natural maple syrups, and fruits that end in berry. The problem with the majority of sugars is that they not only do they ding the dopamine receptor and then fall off, which create, makes you crave the next sugar ding, but what sugar does is it raises our insulin level. And most people think that the primary role of insulin is to lower blood sugar, and that's actually not true. The primary role of insulin is to block any other form of energy use in the body. So if insulin is high, the body cannot burn fat. So what happens when insulin is high? We store fat at an accelerated rate. The first place that fat builds up is in the blood. So people that eat the most sugar 
have the highest blood fat. So the heaviest people eat the most sugar because high sugar causes high insulin. High insulin forces fat storage. Your body does not have the choice to use fat as an energy source. And so one of the healthiest things you can do for a lot of my patients that are you know, sugar addicted or they have high triglycerides, high fat in the blood, I do what's called a keto reset. I put them on a prescription ketogenic diet for 10 weeks. It's a very easy diet to get used to. And at the end of that, you start to reintroduce sugars and you give their pancreas a break. You make them insulin sensitive again. You know, high levels of insulin is one of the signs of something called metabolic syndrome. And high insulin leads to another symptom of metabolic syndrome called high triglyceride. So high insulin, high blood sugar, high blood fat, mild abdominal obesity. This is what we call metabolic syndrome. It's the leading cause of cardiovascular disease, which is the leading cause of death worldwide. And all of this can be traced back to sugar. And so when people say, well, what diet should I be on? You should be on a whole food diet. It doesn't matter keto, paleo, carnivore, raw food, vegan, vegetarian. You need to be eating clean, whole foods. Wild-caught salmon, pasture-raised chickens, free-range eggs, organic grass-fed meats. These are excellent sources of nutrition for you. And organic fruits and vegetables. More processed foods, especially processed sugars we have, the higher the incidence of, of all disease pathways. So I know we were talking about Wim Hof previously, and one of his big core concepts is this need to make sure that we're uncomfortable, right? That we're always so used to like air conditioning and all these things that just make us comfortable, comfortable and kind of complacent. You also agree that aging is the aggressive pursuit of comfort. The more we aggressively seek comfort, the faster that we age is something that you say. Talk to us about the need to be uncomfortable sometimes. There is a process in the human body called hormesis. Hormesis is a stress-strengthening response. So for example, we know that if you don't load a bone, it won't strengthen. If you don't actually tear a muscle, it won't grow. If you don't challenge the immune system, it will weaken. And so we've got to stop telling grandma not to go outside. It's too hot, not to go outside. It's too cold, just to lay down, just to relax, to eat at the very first pang of hunger. This is collapsing all of our defense mechanisms. Not to get political or alienate half your audience or anything, but one of the worst things to happen to us during the pandemic was social distancing, residential quarantining, and masking. Those were so antithetical to human survival and, and our basic human physiology that we, we are seeing now the outcome of a global collapse of the immune system. So when you take human beings out of contact with other human beings, when you force them into their residences, when you mask them up, when you social distance them, when you don't expose them to daily pathogens and viruses and, and bacteria, what happens is the immune system starts to weaken. We're on our eighth variant of Omicron. So why is our immune system so weak? Why are we so susceptible? Because we actually stopped challenging the immune system. This is why things like cold water exposure are so good for you. I know Wim Hof is a major fan of that. Remember, we're not trying to become cold adapted. We're trying to cold shock the body. So what happens, for example, when we expose the body to cold water? Well, we get a peripheral vasoconstriction. We actually get an increase in, in the release of uh, endorphins like dopamine that actually give us a pleasure response. We force all the oxygen into the core, to our liver, lungs, pancreas, our kidneys, up to our brain. We activate brown fat. 
which is our thermostat in the body. We improve our metabolic rate. And you can do this by getting in cold water three minutes a day or taking a three-minute cold shower. Now, why won't most people do that? Because it's uncomfortable. We don't like to go outside because it's too hot. We don't like to go outside because it's too cold. We like to just lay down and relax because that's comfortable. We stress the body. It has a hormetic response and it strengthens. And so the reason why I say aging is the aggressive pursuit of comfort is that most people just, they avoid exercise or high temperatures or low temperatures or cold exposure or all of these things because they just don't want to be uncomfortable. I would love to close out with a few of your favorite stories of how you've basically transformed people's lives. I know that you have a lot of celebrity clients like the UFC president, Dana White, but whatever examples you want to give of how you've actually transformed people's lives through all that you work with human biology. Well, you know, my favorite stories are where you take a myriad of seemingly unrelated symptoms, right? So think about all these symptoms people have as like spokes on a wheel. Weight gain, water retention, poor sleep, hormone imbalance, lack of focus, lack of concentration, low waking energy, poor libido. It seems like the whole world's going to hell in a handbasket. What I always try to do is I look for the hub. Where do all of these things meet? So for example, Dana White just, disclosed on, on my podcast very publicly, my work with his mother-in-law. She's a 79-year-old woman, beautiful woman, who was diagnosed with three very significant conditions, um, early onset dementia, peripheral neuropathy, and congestive heart failure. When you ask yourself, where do all of these meet, right? So the clinical team and I sit around, remember, I'm not licensed to practice medicine, so you know, eventually there is a physician involved that is licensed to practice medicine. Where do all of these things meet? They all meet at circulation. If I reduce circulation to periphery, I get the symptoms of peripheral neuropathy. If I reduce circulation to the brain, I get the symptoms of early onset memory loss or early onset dementia. If I reduce circulation to the heart, I get the expression of congestive heart failure. And so these are not independent of one another. They all meet at this core of circulation. So we use things like oxygen baths, hydrogen water filtration systems for her to drink hydrogen water, resveratrol to increase blood flow, and simple raw materials and nutrients to improve the blood flow and circulation. 65 days later, um, after she was diagnosed with these conditions, she no longer qualified for those diagnoses. There's so many people that are listening to this program right now that have some kind of condition going on in their body, and they've been told they have hypothyroid, or they've been told they have hypertension, and they've just accepted that diagnosis, and now they're, they, they subscribe to a lifetime of medication. I would really encourage them to get that one-time genetic test done. You do it once in your lifetime. You never guess again on what you need to supplement with, and it could permanently change the trajectory of your life. So most of the listeners that are tuning into the show, they're probably in their 30s. Where can we go to learn from you? What books do you have? What websites do you have? What services, products? Like, How can we further work with you to learn from you on how to optimize our bodies? I just started a podcast on human optimization called The Ultimate Human. Dana White was a guest on there. You'll see Stephen A. Smith, Steve Harvey, Steve Aoki, lots of Steves. And you'll see lots of average patients, but I also interview the leading PhDs and MDs and researchers in the world on bio-optimization, longevity, optimal health. On my Instagram, I don't do anything but teach. So if you just go to at Gary Brecka, just my first and last name, You'll see tons of videos on breath work, morning routine, 
cold plunging, oxygen, light, magnetism. You'll see all of the different topics that I lecture on. I put all of my stage talks onto my Instagram. Um, and then finally, you can go to 10x, the number 10, the letter X, healthtest.com and order that gene test. You can see the supplements that I've manu- manufactured myself. And I have tons of information on that site on bio-optimization. Awesome. Are you in business with Grant Cardone? He also came on this podcast, 10X Health. He's, is he an investor or something? Yes, we, it was Streamline Medical Group was my company eight years ago. Grant acquired it. And now he and I and my wife and uh, Brandon Dawson are partners in 10X Health. Oh, awesome. He's been looking amazing. Oh, yeah. He was, one of, my, he was one of my early success stories, right? One of my earliest clients. And, you know, Grant does not look, act, or perform like a 65-year-old man. No. Right? He'll run circles around most 25-year-olds. The last two questions I ask all my guests are the same, and then we do something fun at the end of the year. So the first one is, what is one actionable thing our young and profiters can do to become more profitable tomorrow? Find something that you would otherwise do for free and monetize it. And what is your secret to profiting in life? And this can go beyond business, financial, but what is your secret to profiting in life? My secret to profiting in life is really kind of aligning my purpose with my passion. I'm passionate about the human body and human physiology, and my purpose is to change the face of humanity. And because those two are so aligned, I really, I know this sounds so altruistic and cheesy, but it's true. I I don't feel like I work a day in my life. This podcast did not feel like work. I really enjoyed this podcast. And when I get off the phone, I've got a dozen calls lined up with clients and patients and my clinical team. And none of that feels like I'm excited to get off of this podcast and get on those calls. I feel like most people have a passion. Some people have a purpose. If they don't align their passion and their purpose, then what, what really lights your fire and wakes you up in the morning? What would you otherwise do for free? And then when you have a purpose, like, uh, you know, which is, by the way, linked to longevity, all of the blue zones in the world isolated the fact that the elderly people still felt like they had a purpose. So when you have a purpose, meaning, you know, mine is to change the face of humanity, this information that I have does not belong to me. It belongs to your listeners. It belongs to mankind. I'm just blessed enough to have it flow through me. Since I'm so almost psychotically passionate about the human body and I read voraciously and I study voraciously and my purpose is to touch the face of humanity, those two aligned. And I'm telling you, it's like, I feel like I won the lottery every day. (laughs) Yeah, I can feel the passion through you and I'm totally aligned. I totally agree with everything you're saying. And Gary, even a wealth of information. I can't wait to have you back on the podcast. Thank you so much for your time. Where can everybody learn more about you and everything that you do? What are your main channels? My Instagram at Gary Brecca. Amazing. Thank you so much, Gary. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me on. I really liked this conversation with Gary Brecca. It was so eye-opening and I found it so moving what he said about not wanting to waste his life predicting death when instead he could spend it impacting life for the better of humanity. I think that's something we can all strive to do, whether we're biohackers or not. Gary offered us so many actionable biohacks, but I wanted to flag a few that he emphasized. He told us that his entire career boils down to this one sentence. The presence of oxygen is the absence of disease. So how can we better manage the oxygen levels in our body? The easiest way to do so, says Gary, is an activity called grounding, which basically means take off your socks and shoes occasionally and just let your feet connect with the earth. The second technique is breathing. He recommends the eight-minute routine pioneered by Wim Hof, who we also had on the show in episode number 175. 
Better breathing helps boost our oxygen levels and offsets the sedentary lifestyles that so many of us have today. And the third way to help your oxygen levels is exposing your skin to natural sunlight. This is the safest to do in the first 45 minutes of the day. Gary kills two oxygen birds with one stone by sitting on his porch in the morning sun to do his breath work. Finally, I was really struck by Gary's emphasis on seeking discomfort. Aging, as he puts it, is the aggressive pursuit of comfort, something we're all guilty of. But if we want to slow down aging, we need to make ourselves uncomfortable. So seek out good stress, whether it's a cold shower, fasting, or intense exercise. Just like you have to tear a muscle to build it, you have to challenge your immune system and your body to strengthen them. And that means embracing discomfort. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Young and Profiting Podcast. If you listened, learned, and profited from this conversation with the fascinating Gary Brecka, then please share this episode with your friends and family. It would really mean a lot to me if you help spread this podcast by word of mouth. And if you did enjoy this show and you learned something new, then why not drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcast? We have over 4,500 reviews because we have such incredible listeners like you. You can also find me on Instagram at yapwithhala or LinkedIn by searching my name. It's Hala Taha. Before we wrap up, I want to give a big shout out to my incredible Yap production team. Thank you for all you do behind the scenes. This is your host, Hala Taha, aka the Podcast Princess, signing off.